Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid shares his thoughts on a recent shooting of Jacob Blake. Also, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the unsung heroes of this upcoming season amongst Chiefs players and staff. But first, as always, we start off with the Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, what was your reaction to the Chiefs holding an open practice with fans in attendance? I really like the idea behind it. You know, they need a couple of these test runs. They'll have the next one this upcoming Saturday to really see that they can, in fact, have fans at the stadium to find out what works and what doesn't work, to test out all the new protocols in place. And not just for the fans, but for the stadium staff as well to get them comfortable and in the swing of things because we're 14 days away right now from the season opener. So uh, they, they need that practice. Now, it was intriguing because at this point, we're all so conditioned towards avoidance and, and that type of thing during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd say that, that it was also important to the players to feel that energy and the passion from the fans again because they haven't had that since Super Bowl 54. Now, I mean, the Chiefs, obviously, and 49ers, they have that advantage being the last two teams to play a game uh, before the season ended there. But to, to really feel that and understand that, know, know that feeling again, I think that was really important. And it's such a great aspect of what playing at Arrowhead Stadium is all about, the fans and their involvement. Now, was it successful this first time around having fans at the stadium? I, I don't think you can say that it was fully successful. There are videos and images of fans who aren't actively eating or drinking, removing their masks while seated and watching practice. I, I mean, Chiefs President Mark Donovan, I think, really said it succinctly and explained it why that type of thing is a problem, because, you know, as soon as something big happens, fans start jumping, cheering and you know, they're not going to throw their mask on beforehand. So you got to kind of be ready at any given moment to do that in the course of a football game. So and, and when you don't have the mask on, you're putting people at a greater risk. I, I think they'll be adjusting their policy a little bit. In fact, I know they're going to be adjusting their policy. They're going to have more signage, according to Donovan. And they're also going to have an usher walking up and down the aisles now, reminding people to keep their masks on, uh, assuming they are not actively eating or drinking something. So, I mean, that, that's just the reality of what fans are going to have to deal with when they're at the stadium. I know there's some thoughts that, oh, Arrowhead's an outdoor stadium. I can have my mask off outdoors. That's not the case. Um, if you're seated there at Arrowhead Stadium, you got to have the mask on. So it, it's really going to take everyone ha having this type of participation um, for this to go smoothly. They obviously don't want to have to forcibly remove a fan from the stadium um, because they're not following protocols, but they will if if that uh, if that comes to that. So the best way for this to work is to keep the people around you within your pod. If you're attending games, if you're attending the practice this upcoming weekend, accountable. Let them know. Hey, put put your mask on. If you put put the beer down, make sure you put the the mask on. If you're done eating your hot dog, make sure you put the mask on. So uh, having that own uh, kind of self-accountability and accountability for the people around you will help this process run smoother at Arrowhead Stadium. Do you believe Jody Fortson will make the team? 
Yeah, I'm leaning that way right now. I mean, it's really an amazing story. A kid out of uh, Division II, Valosa State University, starts uh, with the Chiefs as a tight end. He, he originally signed on as an undrafted free agent as a tight end. And then he turns out to become this stud receiver during his second year in the system. Um, but I expect the Chiefs to carry a minimum of six receivers on the 53-man roster. Right now, you have five players who are locks to make it in Hill, Hardman, Watkins, Robinson, and Pringle. I thought that Derek Dieter would be the number six receiver for the longest time, but I guess spoiler alert from my next 53-man roster prediction, which is coming out September 1st. Mark your calendars for that one. Fortson is going to overtake Dieter for that number six spot. And the reason's really twofold. First, Dieter has been absent from the past two practices with a groin injury. Second, the the hype surrounding Fortson right now, it's just too much, all right? You you have NFL scouts who are actively following team beat writers out there because there are no preseason games for them to evaluate players. So if you wave Fortson with the hopes of stashing him on the practice squad, you're probably going to lose him. I don't think you can really afford to do that with the types of plays that he's routinely been making at practice. I think you can get away with waving guys like Dieter and Kemp and also the undrafted free agents that haven't really flashed much at camp because they haven't been getting opportunities and then signing those guys to the practice squad and elevating them later in the year. Now, obviously, you're still the Super Bowl champ, so people are going to look at the players that you wave and say, hey, maybe we should claim this guy. But uh, I I think you have a better chance of waving those players and getting them through the practice squad than you do a player like Fortson, who has just, by all means, had a tremendous training camp. Any other interesting stories from training camp that has caught your attention? Wow. I mean, there's really been so much out there. I just don't know where to start. Um, I guess I guess I'll start with the rookies. The two players that the Chiefs expect to contribute the most are going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Willie Gay Jr., Um, I wrote about this a little bit in a takeaways article uh, recently, but the two top draft picks from the team, those are the guys that that are really getting the most action with uh, with the starters and and even the second team. And um, they're the two players that that are expected to make those contributions, make an early jump and and see action kind of early on there. And I'm just so excited for Edwards Lillard because the whispers that come out about him really each and every day scream that he is going to become an NFL superstar. And uh, I can't I just can't wait to see him light it up in week one. Now, fifth round draft pick Mike Dana would have been right up there with those two guys also, but he's dealing with a calf injury and it's not yet clear how severe it is, but he had to be carted out of practice last week and he hasn't been back since. So that's obviously a little concerning. Um, If it's an injury, a significant injury that's going to keep him out for a long time, uh, the Chiefs need to wait until September 5th before they can send him to injured reserve without risking uh, him being claimed by another team. It really sucks that that he got hurt because he was getting some time with the starters and impressing when when Clark and Okafor and some of the other guys were sidelined with injuries. I think the cornerbacks, uh, Legereus Sneed and Bo Peak Keys, they're a little bit behind of where Steve Spagnolo would like them to be. 
I could see Snead getting some snaps eventually, but I think the lean on guys like Rashad Fenton and Antonio Hamilton in the absence of Bashad Breeland, who is suspended for the first four weeks to start the season. Fenton's going to be the guy uh, who who kind of starts in base there, and then he shifts inside on sub packages when that require a nickel or a dime cornerback. And then Hamilton would be the guy who comes in and jumps in on the outside there. So that's something to to look at uh, there with the cornerbacks. We're not hearing a whole lot about any of the undrafted guys this year. I feel like there's kind of two parts to that equation. First, the team's being really cautious to hype guys up because they want to be able to keep some of them when roster cuts do happen. Second, there's just not a lot of opportunities and repetitions for these guys. Um, many of the players, you know, they're not seeing action in team drills, uh, apart from really the first and second team guys. So it, if the undrafted players aren't really fitting into that category, they're not really seeing, uh, much action there. Um, occasional reps to give guys breathers. Occasionally they'll have that third team offense or, uh, you know, third team defense out there, but it, it's nothing like it would be if this was a regular training camp. Really, they're just trying to get the guys who are going to be on the roster for sure the most reps they can. Um, Really, just the guys they're going to lean on at the start of the season. Another thing that's been interesting is we haven't heard much about some of the free agent signings like uh, Ricky Seals-Jones and Taco Charlton. Those guys could end up being on the roster bubble when it's all said and done. It's also possible that the Chiefs intend to release them and try to sign them to one of the spots on the practice squad. They have six spots that players have unlimited number of accrued seasons. So you can take a veteran guy and uh, have him on the practice squad and be ready to call him up at any given time. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, we have a a story on three players who've kind of emerged as uh, contributors throughout the course of 2020 training camp. One of those players in that list is uh, Nick Kaiser. And we have a few different stories on him over the past week. You should check those out, uh, especially one that I love about uh, his comment on uh, catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. It was a pretty great way to describe what that's like. We have the official word on Mike Pennell's suspension this week, and we have a couple posts on that, including an apology from him. Felt really sincere, so uh, that's one that you should definitely check out. For the uh, social justice crowd, we've got an article uh, that's covering Andy Reid's comments on the police shooting of Jacob Blake. It's a really powerful statement by Andy Reid. Really, really impressed with how he handled that. And then we're going to have a roundup of Chiefs President Mark Donovan, who had a press conference on Thursday, and he covered a number of different issues from ticket prices to the the different policies at Arrowhead Stadium. A lot of really good stuff from Mark Donovan there. I thought it was a really interesting press conference from him. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. We should have a special episode coming coming for you guys pretty shortly. Um, We'll have some more info on that soon, but we are actually approaching our 100th episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. That's coming in a couple weeks here, so um, 
be on the lookout for that. I hope we're going to have a couple of special guests and um, some people involved in that one make it a, a cool episode for you. Like I said, thank you guys so much for listening, reading the website. We appreciate you so, so much. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back, and you know it's that time again. It is the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I got Mitch Carney. I got Talon Graff. Hey, guys. How's it going? It is going great. It is going great. Always look forward to this time to talk to you guys. Doing well myself. Uh, this, uh, you know, another week closer to the season. I'm ready to get going. Oh, yeah. It's so close right now. Obviously, the big the big news from last week was that there are going to be fans. Fans showed up to the open practice. I don't know if you guys saw some of the highlights from that. Just from the uh, videos that did come out from that day, what was your overall impression, just the way it looked like the uh, Arrowhead Stadium um, crew, how they handled everything, bringing fans in for the open practice? Uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you. Um, I mean, yeah, it was, it was cool. Uh, I'm glad they're able to get some fans in there. Um, you know, I think for the most part, people kept their masks on. Uh, you know, people were kind of policing them to make sure that everybody was following the rules correctly, which, you know, I think everything went good so far. I'm really curious to see how the season goes. And, you know, because of course, once the season starts, people are going to want to be taking their masks off, yelling, getting loud. Um, but I think it was a good start. I think it was a good practice run for the start of the season to kind of see, like, hey, what can we improve on uh, or what really worked? But overall, I thought it was a, you know, a really good opportunity to kind of get a, a head start on the season. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see some fans in the stands and, you know, just being a practice and not being able to be at training camps this entire time, fresh off of a Super Bowl. It had, it's, it's hard for all the fans. It's hard for the players. It's hard for the team in general. Um, so to, to see a few, you know, butts in the seats, if you will, it's kind of cool even at a practice like that. It was it was cool to see and, it, it you know, uh, hopefully everything goes well. And, and I've heard, like, ticket prices are kind of, like, outrageous right now. So it kind of – you know, curious to see how that pans out, how many people actually fork over that kind of money to go to the games. But, uh, yeah, no, it was cool. It was a cool little, you know, like maybe we are kind of somewhat getting back to normal a little bit. I just, it, it was it was nice. It'll be a very interesting season, especially for the season ticket holders and how they're going to police that situation with the limited seating. I, I'm really curious, even not even, not just Arrowhead Stadium, but all the other stadiums are, are going to open during the regular season. How are they going to handle that? But that's a discussion for another day. Today's discussion, uh, this is actually brought to us by Mitch again. So Mitch, this time you officially get the credit. I know last time we gave it, the, we, I think we gave it to you, but it was really Talon's credit. So Mitch, it's officially yours. This one is the unsung heroes for the upcoming season. So this could be a player, it could be a coach, pretty much anybody within the Chiefs organization, correct? Correct. All right. So I like this. And this, you guys have put together a list of 10, I believe? Yes. All right. So that being said, Talon, I'm going to let you kick it off and give us your top 10 unsung heroes for the upcoming season for the Chiefs. All right, here we go. Uh, so first off, my number 10, I, I went with the defensive back, Rodney Clemens. He's a rookie out of SMU. Uh, not the fastest guy in the world. He's clocked into like a 4-7-40. I know that, you know, might make your head tilt as an NFL player. You don't want to see that kind of 
you know, air quote speed on the field. Um, but, you know, Rodney Clemens is, is a really underrated player coming out of college. He was probably one of the most underrated college players in the entire draft. Um, he did end up going undrafted. He signed as an undrafted free agent. But with the injury history with, you know, one Thornhill, his status up in the air and, you know, other than that, Daniel Sorensen's veteran presence and, and Tyron Matthew. Other than that, there's not really a lot of key guys in that secondary, especially at the safety position. So any any backups that we can really rely on, I think Colbert – or I'm sorry, not Colbert, but uh, Rodney Clemens is going to be one of those guys that is kind of leaned on heavily if we don't have that full arsenal right at the beginning of the season. And this kind of goes right into my number nine, Adrian Colbert, another uh, defensive back. And this one is more of a veteran presence. He's been in the league for a little bit longer. I think 2017 he was drafted by the Niners. Uh, he went from the Niners to the Dolphins, and now he is a, he's a chief. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing what those two guys can do providing depth, providing a little playmaking ability. Colbert is more of a, uh, a big hitter, if you will. He doesn't really provide a lot of interceptions or turnovers or stuff like that. But with those two guys, I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing them step up if need be. Um, knock on wood, it's, it's not that necessary. But, you know, given the situation, it, it's nice to see some reinforcements there. Uh, number eight, I have the uh, Chiefs offensive line coach, Andy Heck. He's been around since 2013. He had a, he had a pretty successful career in the NFL. He, he had a sustained career, and any time you have that in the league, you know, it, it's looked upon as, as you know, someone who, who you can trust, knows what he's doing, stuff like that. And um, guys like Eric Fisher has, you know, he's been with Heck the, his entire career, and we've seen the development of Eric Fisher. He's become a, a very trustworthy left tackle, and especially when you know, you're protecting a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you want somebody you can trust. Now, you know, Fish has dealt with injuries here and there, um, but, you know, just seeing the job that Coach Heck has done with Fisher and then, you know, bringing in Mitchell Schwartz and, uh, you know, Andy, you, you could argue that Coach Heck has even – help Schwartz step his game up even more coming from the Browns, even though he was already kind of a well-known household name. Um, yeah. Seeing a guy like coach Andy Heck, who, you know, his son is, you know, plays for the Texans. He got drafted out of North Carolina just this past year. Uh, so going to see a little bit of that. That's going to be fun for them. I'm sure the Heck family seeing, you know, a coach on one sideline and, you know, a, a player on the other. Who, I'm not sure how much playing time Charlie's going to get with the Texans, but, you know, regardless, that should be a fun time for the Heck family uh, during week one. And then number seven, I went with another coach, the running back coach, Dylan McCullough. <clears throat> now, this guy, he, uh, he he didn't have the, you know, career in the league that Coach Heck did, but he still played in the league for a couple of years, passed around to a couple teams um, before joining the coaching ranks as, as a young guy. He coached Indiana for a while. Uh, then he went on to USC for a season. Uh, two schools that have produced fairly solid running backs. I think uh, he had he coached numerous All Conference players. Um, he had some. He had guys get drafted. You know, he coached USC is you know arguably one of the top RBUs out there. Um, he only spending one season there though. Uh, but Indiana, he spent seven seasons, I believe, and now he's here with the Chiefs. Been been with the Chiefs since 2018. When you see the job that the running back group has done especially last season without really a marquee guy and seeing what Damian Williams can do. And, you you know, um, guys stepping up like, you know, just, just the room they have with Daryl Williams and, and LaShawn McCoy was making plays, even though he's that veteran guy. Uh, there's, there's just a lot of guys that seem to step in that know what they're doing, can be productive, and you can trust them with the ball in their hands. And, you know, you got to look at the coach on, on that one. Dylan McCullough is doing a great job with that running back group. And now – Arguably, since he's been there, he has the most talented running back now with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Darwin Thompson hopefully will step up in year two. 
and uh, and I'll get to another one here actually right next. Uh, number six, Elijah McGuire. I think this guy's just kind of getting lost in the shuffle with all the guys I've already named. Don't don't fall asleep on Elijah McGuire now. He had some good years in, in, in New York with the Jets. He's a good pass-catching threat. You can trust him with the ball in his hands. He's good between the tackles. He's kind of an all-around durable running back. He's not going to be an every-down guy. You don't want him in there for an, a complete game. But he's good in certain situations. He's definitely a, a contributor to a running back by committee group, which I think the Chiefs will be this year. So uh, that's my first five with Rodney Clemens, Adrian Colbert, the two safeties, uh, the two coaches, Andy Heck and Dylan McCullough, and then the running back, Elijah McGuire. Okay. Now, the couple of things that stood out to me, uh, well, the first thing, obviously, was you went right to the coaches. And, uh, Talon, I can't help but feel like you probably took this more personal in regards to coaches and, and giving coaches more praise, you know, uh, considering your own profession. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I may have had some, some biased goggles on. You never know. <laughs> no, but uh, definitely, those definitely great choices. And then uh, um, number 10, uh, Clemens, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you talked about his uh, speed not really jumping off the page for you. What was the, uh, the um, number again? It was, uh, he's clocked in at a 4.7. Four seven, man, and the fact that you know we're talking about that speed. If I ran four seven, I'd be pretty proud of myself. Um, so that lets, that puts things in perspective for everybody out there that wants to know the value of football players and what they have to go through, because that's that's the way you got to judge it. You got to judge it off the speed and how athletic these guys really are. So uh, one and one more I actually wanted to bring up. Um, you said Coach Heck, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. Because, you know, you, you talk about um, the different things that he has done. What made you even more want to, like, push his name out there? Well, anytime you see a guy, he came over at the same time as Coach Reed. When you look at the success that the offensive line has had with the protection of the quarterbacks, Alex Smith you know, didn't deal with a lot of injuries when he was a chief. We saw, we've seen a lot of running backs be productive throughout that time since 2013 to now. And when you look at that, you have to look at the, you know, who's on top. And, and it, it started with Coach Eck. And for a guy like – uh, Andy Reid, who's one of the most respected, if not the most respected, right behind Bill Belichick right now in the league, for him to bring a guy in like Andy Heck, who he hadn't really worked with in the past, but for him to trust him with his offensive line, arguably the most important position group of any NFL team, it speaks volumes to what Coach Heck can do. And, and obviously he's still around. He's been here the whole time. He's developed a lot of big-name guys. Mitch Morse has been in that group. Uh, he, he coached Rodney Hudson for a spell. And guys like Andrew Wiley, who's his development has has seen leaps and bounds in the couple of year he's been around. It's just it, it speaks you know pretty highly of what Coach Heck can do and, and his ability as a coach. Definitely, definitely can see that. All right, let's get to your top five. All right, so my number five, I went with a receiver, Byron Pringle. We briefly mentioned him on another episode, um, but I really like what I see from Pringle. There's been speculation that he might be the key special teams guy this year with Tyree focusing more on, you know, his receiving duties and, and the same can be said about McCole Hardman, but Byron Pringle, he can be a threat in the return game as both punt and kick returner. And he can also provide some depth in the receiving group. That's very, very deep. You know, you got a lot of guys in that receiving room. You can, you know, we've mentioned them time and time again. So for a guy like Brian Pringle coming out of a, a local college in Kansas State who had a productive career there, and now he's a Kansas City Chief, he's not, you know, not a lot of people really know who Byron Pringle is outside of Chiefs Kingdom, and I think they should. 
he's so underrated. He's very fun to watch. He's a very talented guy. And, and I think just once, you know, maybe if Demarcus Robinson is gone next year, when Sammy Watkins is no longer a chief, I think you're going to see guys like Byron Pringle step up and out of nowhere, you know, you, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, how do chiefs keep finding these guys? Well, it's like, well, he's been in the system for two or three years before he's thrust into a starting role. And that's huge for a player's development. When you don't have to step in right away to be, a guy and you can learn from veterans and and you can just kind of take everything in stride it's going to be huge and one day Brian Pringle's just going to blow up I think and that you know I think we're going to see a lot of that in 2020. Uh, my number four <clears throat> the the arguably who a lot of people are saying he's going to be the backup tight end Nick Kaiser uh, you know Dion Yelder is still around Ricky Seals Jones is dealing with some injuries this offseason but Nick Kaiser has has been turning some heads he's been having some people talk about him and, and have a lot, you know, his name's been in a lot of people's mouths. And I think Nick Kaiser might, might surprise some people and he's going to be a really solid backup to Travis Kelsey. Obviously Kelsey is impeccable to this offense and what he brings to the table, but you need someone behind him because Travis isn't going to be around forever. And Travis, you know, he's over 30 now and he's going to need a little bit more breathing time and recuperation time and stuff like that. And, and, and the more weapons you have, obviously the better team you are. So Nick Kaiser with what the training camp he's had, I think I'm really excited to see what he brings in 2020. And number three, another safety. I know I've talked a lot about them, about just with the situation going on. Um, and this guy I think is going to be one of the ones that really step up is Tedrick Thompson, uh, the, the free agent we got from uh, Seattle. You know, he's a, he, he's been in the league for a little bit. He's got starting uh, experience. He has playmaking experience. He's, he's made some big key interceptions for the Seahawks in the past. He's a big playmaker. Seems to always be in the right spot. He's having a good camp. I really think he's going to be one of those guys that if, you know, if, if Thornhill can't go as soon as the Chiefs would like, if Daniel Sorensen maybe suffers an injury, something like that, Tedder Thompson is going to step in and, and be a big-time playmaker for that Chiefs secondary. Uh, my number two, I'm one of the offensive linemen, Mike Rimmers. I'm a big fan of his. I, he was one of my biggest – uh, uh, one of my, my favorite free agent acquisitions, if you will. I think he could play either guard spot. He could play either tackle spot. He's so versatile, and Coach Heck is so big on versatility and just playing the best five guys he got. And I think Mike Rimmers, you know, if he could play left, he could play left guard one week. Someone goes down, you can slide him in at right guard. Someone else goes down, you can slide him in at right tackle. I think this guy can play any position on the offensive line, and he could play it well. And I think he's a guy that you could trust, that he's going to be you know, uh, solid on his assignments. He's going to know what he's doing. He's going to know every spot. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to Mike Grimmers being in a Chiefs uniform. And I think he's going to be uh, very, very important to the Chiefs' success this year. And number one, I went with a really young guy, uh, wide receiver Jody Fortson. Uh, he's a Divi uh, Division II product out of Valdosta State. They're one of the most historic and one of the most successful Division II programs out there. Uh, Shameless plug here, my alma mater, Northwest Missouri State, arguably the, you know, you could call them the Alabama Division II, if you will. Multiple Division II national champions. Valdosta State is right there with them. Um, they're very, if, you know, if they're D1, everybody knows who Valdosta State is. But, you know, they are Division II. The powerhouse is in Division II. Jody Fortson is going to step in. He's he, he was on the practice squad last year, kind of. He was uh, one of those, you know, guys that were cut. We brought back one of those situations. But he's turning a lot of heads in, in camp. He's making some big-time plays, some big-time catches. Uh, and for, for a guy to turn heads in, in an offense like the Chiefs have, that, that kind of tells you everything you need to know right there, the, how this guy's really developing from year one to year two. Um, 
and again, kind of the same story as that Byron Pringle where at some point Jody Fortson, you might see him on the field, not really know who he is, but it's only going to take one game to really learn the guy's name. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Jody Fortson and, uh, and seeing what he can do. Hopefully he makes that 53-man roster. Hopefully he can keep doing what he's doing in camp. Um, but, yeah, so that's my uh, five through one. All right. Now, the Mike Remmers um, wouldn't bring it up. I actually thought that was a really, uh, a really big selection for you. And uh, looking at what he did, and I'm a native New Yorker, so I saw him with the Giants last year. And he started 14 games at right tackle, was very consistent. And, you know, in a year where we had a, a brand-new quarterback uh, just trying to learn the system, and uh, he was consistent on the line. He, you could rely on him on every play out there and his versatility to, you know, play different positions, whether it's right tackle, left tackle, anywhere on the line. And, and having a veteran that's been around multiple teams, I think that was a, a big pick right there. And uh, Jody, you know, Fortson, I've heard a lot about Fortson lately, especially the, the comparison I heard that he could be the Randy Moss of the Chiefs. For, for this upcoming season because of his size and the things he could do. I don't know. How do you feel about that, hearing Randy Moss comparisons, Talon? <laughs> you know, it, that's you know, maybe a little unwarranted quite yet. Um, but, hey, if, if Jody Fortson wants to be the Randy Moss, I'm all for it. You know, uh, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations, and Randy Moss is one of the most uh, prolific big-time playmakers out there. So if Jody Fortson wants to be the Randy Moss of the Chiefs, and that's how he sees himself, and that's, you know, and he's starting to maybe gain that reputation among his peers a little bit. I, not quite there yet. You know, being a 6'6", 230-pound guy, yeah, he's got the, you know, the genes and genetics to do it. But I want to see that translate to the field before we really thrust that upon him and, and he earns that. He has to earn it first. You know, I love the confidence. I love, I love the, uh, the comparison. But as of right now, what, it's one thing to do it in camp. Let's see, let's see you do it against stiff competition on Sunday afternoons. But, yeah, I, I am excited. I am excited. I love the confidence in sports. Very, very high standards right there. But uh, we got to get into Mitch. Mitch, what is your top ten? I know you have some um, – probably some similar options to Talon or it could be completely different. What are we looking at here, Mitch? So, at number ten, I have a player that originally uh, people were really excited to get in. Uh, but I feel like he's maybe falling down the depth chart a little bit. I got Colin Saunders. Um, like I said, he's a really good player. You know, people were excited when he came in, but just with the addition of uh, Pinnell and uh, already having Derek Nottie and Chris Jones resigning with the team, um, you know, Colin Saunders may not get as much playing times as get as much playing time as people have hoped or were 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 expecting whenever we first drafted him. But uh, this is a player that is still really really good. It's going to make a really big impact whenever he does get his name called. And there's always seems like there's always an injury or two uh, at the at the defensive tackle position every year so uh, I could see him get some playing getting some playing time but uh, to start out um, you know I definitely see him kind of being a a player that fans start to undervalue or kind of forget about just because he's not on the field as much Uh, but he's my number 10 and number nine I have Demarcus Robinson this is another one of those players that is really really good just can't ever really get on the field just because of how strong the position group is around him because he has to fight against Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, and Nicole Hardman, and even Byron Pringle and and Jody Fortson. All these players are going to be fighting to get on the field. But Demarcus Robinson is a really good special teams player. I think he plays on all four phases. Um, He does a lot for them, and he's also a really great blocker whenever he is on the field. Like You always see passes thrown to Tyree Kill, and then you see Demarcus Robinson like 10 or 15 yards down the field blocking somebody. 
is a high effort player, does a lot. He's really good friends with Patrick Mahomes. Um, but this is another player that I think people are really going to undervalue and not see what he does with the Chiefs. Um, he's definitely going to be a player. And he's, you know, really great to have on this Chiefs team that people are going to forget about, especially if McCall Hardman goes off and, like, has one of those seasons because we're just not going to see him on the field as much. But with the value we have him, you know, going and only paying him, like, $2.3 million just for this next year, that's such great value for Demarcus Robinson for what he brings to this team. At number eight, I have Rashad Fenton. This is a guy that um, – I think people are undervaluing undervaluing going into this year. Uh, last year, he made some big plays near the end of his rookie season, but people have already kind of forgotten about Rashad Fenton, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they bring in a couple players through the draft. They're bringing in these safeties uh, and all these, like, free agent cornerbacks that are expected to get, maybe even get more playing time than Rashad Fenton. But uh, I can see him, you know, taking kind of that next step this season and doing some big things. Um, you know, we saw, like I said, he did some good things last year, but, you know, this wasn't quite enough to really impress a whole lot of people uh, to maybe make him a starter this season. Uh, we do have to replace Kendall Fuller, so it'll be interesting to see how he steps in and if he can, you know, make that starting transi- transition. But I have him at number eight. And then at number seven, I'm going to go to his coach, Sam Madison. I think it was really important to put Sam Madison on this list just because he's working with scraps on this team. It seems like this year we upgraded a lot of places. You know, we made our defensive line better. We uh, drafted a middle linebacker. Our safeties are great. But the cornerbacks, we just, like, continue to neglect. So Sam Madison Sam Madison is having to work with just, you know, Brashad Breland, Charveris Warren, who are two good starters. But behind them, we really don't have anybody else. Uh, we do have Rashad Fenton, but he's just one of those players that we haven't seen a lot yet. Uh, hopefully he does take that next step. But, you know, Sam Madison's definitely not working with anything. So if he can create those cornerbacks, uh, you know, create them to great players and, you know, turn them to one of our, you know, at least a decent position group, you know, he's definitely one of our unsung heroes on on this team. And number six, I have uh, Anthony Sherman. I had to put Sherman on this list just because he's one of my personal favorite players. And I don't think it gets used quite enough in this offense. I always love, you know, teams like incorporating the fullback. But, uh, you know, he just isn't used as much, but that's okay. He's a really great special teams player. He does play on all four phases. He does a lot. He's great. He's, you know, great on kick uh, kickoffs. He always seems like to be there for the tackle. Uh, he's, you know, meshes really well with the locker room. Uh, but, you know, if we do need him on offense, he is there. We've seen him make some plays with his hands. We've seen him run the ball and do some things. Um, of course, he's never going to be our first option, but if needed, he's going to be there. And he can also provide some reliable protection for Patrick Mahomes if needed, like in, in the biggest emergencies. So that's my top five. Okay, Mitch, and I always got to say, I like your consistency. You have been pushing for Demarcus Robinson since I think you came on the show. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, with the wide receiver core. Is he a guy that could be on a chopping block? Do you feel like he'll make the team? Oh, yeah, I definitely think he'll make the team because, like I said, he's a great – he's a good special teams player. He's a gunner. You know, he's, you know, always going down there. He's, you know, a really fast receiver who uh, can do a lot of things, and he's also just a really good blocker. Whenever he's on the field, he just does a really good job, although he's just not a uh, playmaker like Tyreek Sammy or McCole, but he does his job, and he gets those blocks, and he's just a very good, reliable player whenever he's in. So if an injury happens, I'll feel really comfortable with him in. And then on top, it's great special teams play. 
Okay, and then obviously you still talked about special teams play when you're number six uh, with Sherman. Uh, here's the thing with him, and, and, and I guess I could just ask you this question because I've always wondered this with the NFL. What happened to the fullback position? How did it just kind of disappear over the last couple of years? What is your opinion on that? Uh, I think it's just because they're just bigger guys or blockers. I mean, the league's definitely went more passing, and, you know, fullbacks are these, you know, they're basically blocking backs, and there's just not a whole lot for them, especially in Andy Reid's offense to do. But, uh, you know, we've seen Andy Reid incorporate some things, and, you know, if needed, Anthony Sherman is there, and he can do some stuff. He can provide some, you know, some some blocking for Patrick Mahomes. But overall, I just think with the special teams he brings to the team and, you know, the emergency case scenarios that he, br- that he also brings, he's just a really good option where he's, an, you know, an unsung hero on this team. Okay, I hear that. Let's get to your top five. At number five, I think it's going to surprise some people. But I have Tommy Townsend, uh, the punter, as, uh, you know, one of our unsung heroes on the upcoming season. Uh, you know, of course, we've talked about how punters aren't really going to do a lot with the Chiefs this year. Um, you know, we're not going to punt the ball a lot, but we're just missing Dustin Colquitt. Like, he's been on the scene for, you know, almost two decades. He's, you know, he's, you know, probably the greatest punter the Chiefs have ever had. But, you know, and Tommy Townsend's going to have to come in and, you know, do a good job right away. We got Harrison Butker, who's the kicker, and he's just going to have to, you know, be perfect on holding. He's going to have to do all these things. He's, you know, whenever he's asked to punt, it's going to need to do just as good as Dustin Colquitt, and he's just going to have to do a lot to make sure that he's playing at to the level he needs to be playing at, you know, play up to Dustin Colquitt's level. It's going to be hard for him as a rookie, but I think he can do it. And if he can do that and, you know, provide the great special teams that Dustin Colquitt brought, he's definitely going to be one of our undervalued players on this team. At number four, I have Austin Ryder. He is our uh, center. Um, you know, when you look into the interior offensive line, we got a lot of new faces, a lot of fresh faces. Um, he's the only one that's, you know, been on this team for two years now. Last year, he played almost 99% of the snaps for the Chiefs. He, you know, was very consistent. And when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you want to have consistent on the, consistency on the offensive lineman, especially at center, the person who's going to snap in the ball, you know, they have to be, you know, really ha- have really good communication. And that's what Austin Ryder brings. But just because he's not like one of the great offensive linemen, he's not Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz. Um, he kind of can get forgotten in that offensive line, but he's just such a re- he's a really good uh, consistent player that, you know, is going to bring that consistency, consistency to, to Patrick Mahomes. And number three, I've been Neiman. Uh, this is another special teams player that I really like. Um, you know, I think he's actually going to be seen more in the defense this year. I think he's going to, you know, crack his way into the starting lineup a couple times. It'll be uh, – it just really kind of depends on how really gay per- progresses. But uh, we've seen him progress every year, Ben Neiman. And, uh, you know, he could be on the, his way up to being a starter. Um, he, you know, provides some pro- – he's already provided some valuable reps um, in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, he did some pretty good things. Um, but he can sometimes just be forgotten with Anthony Hitchens, uh, Damian Wilson, and even Willie Gay coming up. Uh, but with the special teams he also brings, um, he's definitely one of our uh, top players on this list. Then at number two, I have Daryl Williams. Um, I've already talked about how much I am in love with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire so far and how I think he's going to be the rookie of the year. But Daryl Williams shouldn't be forgotten in this running back group. He, you know, he's going to be the one that's mentoring Clyde and, you know, getting, he got him up to speed. 
Um, and if, if Clyde's going to need to sit out for a game or two or sit out for a couple plays, Daryl Williams is going to be one of those players that comes in and fills in and does what he needs to do. And I really like Daryl Williams. I feel like if we didn't have Clyde, I think Daryl would be able to get the job done because he can, he, he can catch the ball, he can run the ball, he can provide protection for Patrick Mahomes in a backfield. So, but just because of how good Clyde is and how, how good uh, I think he's going to do this season, Daryl Williams is going to be forgotten. And, you know, he's going to be the number two guy and people are going to kind of forget he's on this team until he's in there. But uh, he's definitely number two. I think he's going to be really, really valuable in the season. He's just going to be forgotten with just how good Clyde is. Um, at number one, uh, I didn't go with a coach or a player. I went with Rick Burkholder. He's the, he is the Chiefs athletic trainer. Um, he's in charge of the uh, Chiefs COVID uh, protocols and keeping the Chiefs safe and, you know, keep them from getting sick. Um, he's going to be super important, you know, during the season because we don't – we've never seen this before. We've never seen, you know, a season with COVID. We don't know if there's going to be a huge outbreak or not. But say the Chiefs, you know, have a successful season and not a whole lot of players get COVID, and, you know, nobody really gets sick. He's going to be the most important part of that. He's going to, you know, he's the one who implemented all the safety protocols and, and everything to keep the players safe. So um, if everything goes well, people are going to totally forget about him. But, you know, I just want to put that out there now that if people don't get sick, we need to really thank Rick Bur Burkholder for keeping the players safe, especially Patrick Mahomes, because if Patrick Mahomes gets sick, this whole season is over. So uh, Rick Burkholder is definitely my number one person. That, you know what, um, Talon, no disrespect to, you know, to Jody Forza. I think that number one might be the most important number one out there in regards to keeping everyone on the field. Um, you know, we don't talk about it enough, but we probably should. Obviously, this, this COVID situation is going to be ongoing through the season and how it will affect the players. And think about players on game day that are going to be told they can't play if they test positive. That's going to be a big deal during the season, especially teams traveling, how are our visiting teams going to be handled? It's, it's going to be an interesting um, situation. This, goes, this is also going to be a thing that every trainer on, on each team is, is going to make their money, really, you know, in terms of how they can keep each player safe throughout this whole process. So I, I definitely agree with that one, Mitch, as being the number one. But now I have to ask both of you guys, and, you know, I, I got to say, this one actually hurts me a little bit. and, and and Talon, you, you touched on it a little bit, but you didn't really give him his full due. And I know you know the guy I'm about to bring up. But uh, Dirty Dan doesn't make either list. What's going on, guys? T Talon, I, I got to start with you. Why doesn't Dirty Dan make this list? <laughs> uh, for me, it was more of a – everybody knows Dirty Dan, man. He's already a fan favorite of Chiefs Kingdom. Everybody knows what he brings to the table. Uh, we saw it last year, uh, just his heart, his effort, what he can do as a depth player, even as a starter in certain situations. He, he can be there in the right situations. He, he plays 100% all the time. So, for me, he's not really that unsung. I think, I think everybody kind of knows what Dirty Dan – I mean, he's even got a – anybody's got a nickname you're not unsung. So I think that, that was, that was my main reason for not having them on my list. Yeah, I agree. I definitely was trying to go with players. I maybe not, that maybe not be on the field that much. Um, he's going to be on the field all the time. He, you know, he's run three safety looks a lot and he's going to be that third safety. Uh, but he's a great player and he's also really great on special teams. So I just didn't think he really fit this list just because he's, you know, he is such an important part of that defense and he's on the field a lot. 
Okay, okay, I feel better knowing that you guys, you know, had your reason for that. I was about to say, I thought Dirty Dan would be on somebody's list when I heard we were doing this. I'm like, he's, he's, you know, he's not a star, but he's a guy that's been around and he, he makes big plays when he's called upon. But I, I he's get a star it. in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. I, I like that a lot. And uh, real quick, is was there a, um, a player that was like number 11 or like just barely missed your list before we uh, went on air here? And I'm going to start with you, Mitch. Was there a player that you really wanted to make this list, but it just wasn't enough room? Um, I actually had uh, Daniel Sorensen on my list probably for like to like the last five minutes uh, before we started. I had him on there. But I ended up taking him off for Tommy Townsend. Uh, I just think, you know, that punter, as a rookie punter, it's really important. And uh, if he's successful right away, he's going to be a big part of this team. So I had Daniel Sorensen on here, but I had to take him off just for him. Uh, but if I had to think of another player, um, I know he's a little bit, you know, he's not really unsung because he's a starter and, he, you know, he's playing a lot and people know he's good. But I had Eric Fisher. I was thinking about putting him on here just because people kind of undervalue him a lot. People think he's not as good as he, as he is. Uh, just, I think that comes with being the number one overall pick. People just expect a lot from him, but he's really one of the better tackles in the league. Um, you know, what he was able to do whenever he was, whenever he came back after injury was huge for the Chiefs. I think if he was out for the rest of the season, the Chiefs would not have had the success they had. So I had him kind of close to making it, but like you said, he just didn't quite make it on there. Yeah, for me, I really wanted to put Marcus Kemp because he's been around since 2017. He's been he's been a chief, and then he's not a chief, and he's been a chief, and he's not a chief. He, you know, he's one of those stories. But for me, he just his lack of production on the field, and he's always a training camp favorite. <laughs> I feel like every year people are talking about Marcus Kemp, um, but it just hasn't translated yet. So I just I don't know. For me, he was one of the guys that I was really like I, I got to find a spot for him. I did I just couldn't. All right. That's fair. It's hard to make that list. And I also, what I meant to say before, when uh, you brought your top five, you had Tommy Townsend in there. Another wrinkle that he brings is the ability with the fake punt. You know, he, he was really good in college with that. Um, also with fake field goal attempts as the holder. Uh, I think they could possibly utilize that a little bit. So that's another wrinkle when you get uh, Tommy Townsend in as the punt. I don't know if you guys were aware of that, what he did in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all those, but I don't think uh, the Chiefs are going to be asking them to do too much. All right, well, just throw it out there. You never know. Andy Reid <laughs> might have something for him. You never know. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Um, as always, thank you for your input on everything going on with the Chiefs. Until next week, Mitch, Talon, take care. All right, guys. Peace. Take it easy. Listen, as far as the injuries go, um, it's kind of the same guys I mentioned to you the other day. Uh, Tyreek uh, did get some work today, so um, that's he's headed in the right direction as he did the other day. Other than that, it's the same guys. Uh, everybody's making progress, and it was good to have the guys out there that were out there working. Um, listen, I'm going to just put, put in my 10 cents uh, on the Jacob situation. Um, Listen, I'm, I think you guys know I'm, I'm into team. I'm into uh, peace and, uh, and people getting along. And so uh, right or wrong, 
we all need to we all need to join hands, man, here and and uh, make this world a place where we can go into each other's neighborhoods and be comfortable, and um, that we appreciate life and how important it is, how hard it is to create life, something that really none of us are capable of doing uh, in a test tube. So it's a it's a precious thing, man. It's complicated and it's precious, and uh, we, we need to. At this time, we everybody needs to come together and and join hands, like I said, and and, uh, and and love each other for for what we are and the privilege that we have in this short period of time that we're on Earth, uh, as opposed to walking in fear, to walk with strength and pride and make this country uh, the greatest place ever, along with the world. We do that, and we'll be a great example to the world. So, um, but my my heart goes out to. Uh, Jacob and his family in, in that situation. Uh, I don't know the whole story, but I just, I, I hate seeing um, the way things, the way things are going right now. And uh, we're better than that. Absolutely better than that. And, and we can, uh, like I said, we, we respect each other and we're going to be in a great, great place. Anyways, uh, with that time's yours. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey Andy, how you doing today? Good, um, hey, Andy, it certainly looks like that you all, despite the unusual circumstances, are getting a, a lot of good work in at practice. I uh, just want to know if you feel that way and whether you uh, – how you feel about what you've been able to accomplish to this point in camp. Yeah, no, I, I – listen, I'm proud of the guys and the way they're pushing through. They're doing it with a great attitude. Um, and, and so uh, we're getting better. And, and – um, and we got to keep we got to keep going with this and finish up uh, the camp strong because we have a great a great challenge our our first game and uh, and so with uh, with the Texans so we understand that and um, you know we know how tough they are so we're we're preparing uh, for the season still we're not preparing necessarily for a team right this minute as far as plays go we're uh, we're still doing our training camp plays and and working through those. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. In light of uh, what you just mentioned there about the Jacob Blake situation, the Lions yesterday canceled practice and they held team meetings about it. I'm curious how much thought went into doing that on your end, and then did you have a team meeting with the players to discuss their feelings on that situation? Yeah, so, Herbie, one of the great advantages I've got here is I have a great locker room that communicates, and so I'm able to talk to the guys and get a feel with the guys. Um, there's obviously concern – and um, uh, but not to where we felt like we, we needed to do that. We, we were able to go forward, but um, on this, but we also understand where things need to go and, and where we all need to work. We all need to work forward on this. And um, uh, again, I, I think with that, we're all, we're all, we're, 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 we've got great people in this country and, and uh, we need to bring that part out in us as opposed to the negative and uh, get ourselves right. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy, thanks for doing this. Yeah, uh, to follow on Herbie's question, when the guys come to you about a certain situation that has occurred this summer, whether it's with Jacob or previously, just how do those conversations go with those players and just how valuable is it from your perspective to hear what players say they feel when a certain uh, incident occurs in our country? Yeah, I listen. I mean, that's what I do. Um, 
I, I try to do the same thing with my kids and, and people that I come in contact with. I mean, it's no different. I, uh, I mean, you can learn from everybody. And, and so, um, and then there's concerns right now. And, and so um, they're being addressed. Um, uh, and, and things that, you know, change is always a little uncomfortable for people. In our business, we, we have a lot of change and it's constantly happening. And, and so, uh, but, but you, you, gotta, you gotta listen, you gotta sit and make sure that, uh, you know, you keep open communication with it. So, uh, and that's, I'm lucky, like I said, I'm lucky to have a locker room that does that and, uh, and players that talk about it and guys that listen uh, to each other. And so, and if we can just put color aside and enjoy each other's culture, man, we all come from different places. We're all wired a little different. If we can just bring it together, man, and enjoy each other's, uh, what we're all about as opposed to taking the negative and let's throw that out the window and, uh, and get this thing right. You know, go to Sam Mellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey Andy. Um, that's all really well said. I've got, um, I guess kind of an off the wall football question for you though. Um, you, you've talked a lot. We've asked you a lot about, you know, sort of Patrick's experimentation on the field, you know, see what he can get away with and what he can't. I, I'm, I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about the genesis of that. Like, I, I don't remember you saying that with Alex, for instance. I'm just wondering if that part of how you direct Patrick in practice is sort of let it fly, let's see what you can do is, is different than, than quarterbacks you've had in the past. No, I, listen, I did the same thing with Alex. I, I just said, hey, try it now. I mean, we're, we're going to ask a few different things of you. There are some things that even in Alex's long career that he had before he got here, uh, there might be some things that you haven't, you haven't tried before. And so let's see what you can get away with. And um, Alex was great with it. Um, I, I mentioned, I believe, during training camps up, uh, you know, up at St. Joe that I, I, when I first got here, I was asked about interceptions. And I, you know, I mean, that's, uh, they're, they're, they're ones where guys are working on it, and then there's ones where guys scramble around, they just, they throw it up. A, a sloppy interception. So the other ones uh, you can judge and see that they're trying to uh, work and see what they can get away with, with the play. I think that's so important. I, um, and, and Mike Holmgren, uh, if I got it from somebody, that's where I got it from. So, yeah. <clears throat> We've got three more hands up. Let's go right down the line. We'll go with Darren first. Go ahead, Darren. Thank you very much, coach. Uh, my question, yeah. uh, cause I don't know if you specifically answered it, but uh, with the Detroit Lions canceling their practice, what was, if there were any conversations with you all as the defending Super Bowl champion, canceling uh, in regards to protesting? Because I think that carries a lot more weight than the Detroit Lions doing it. And then secondly, with what took place with Brashad Breeland in the offseason, um, you know, the police, uh, as we continue to see shooting unarmed black men that are being shot by them, what have you and your coaches either set a time side or set a time conversation to have with your players both black and white in regards to interactions with the police yeah so Derek we, we actually I mean you asked it a, a, at a time when we we've been having meetings throughout training camp on it and the league and the and the union have done a nice job collectively of bringing uh, this issue um, and issues together I think they've done a great job of of, of teaching and um, and so that's where that's where we're at right now. It's a matter of doing and, and getting, this, getting this done and um, where people really respect each other. And um, I see it every day. I wish everybody could see this. I see it every day uh, of guys coming in and they respect each other. They respect each other's background. They're willing to listen. When we've had these joint meetings, 
uh, about this, about situations on racism. Everybody contributes, whether they're black or white, it doesn't matter. Um, there, you know, there, there's nothing holding back uh, the communication. And I think as long as we do that, I think the, the, we're, we're in no better hands than what we are with the young people in America right now because they understand change and they're, they're gonna demand it. And, um, and so, listen, you, uh, we keep working at it. We're, we're gonna get this right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're at, yeah. We'll go to our final two, Sarin, and then Herbie to finish it. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Coach, uh, Mike Pinnell. Uh, it's been announced he's suspended for the two games. Uh, first of all, can, can you uh, tell us how that process works for you? Like, when do you become aware of that and start your planning? Like, I, I assume you knew far before we did, right? And so how long do you have to, to be working that in your mind? And then that's going to be two games, the first two games, without uh, two pretty important pieces to, uh, to that defense that came together in the second half. How much does this set you guys back being without Breland and Pinnell in those first two games? Yeah, so listen, they're good football players. So, uh, but you know how we how we operate. So everybody has a chance to get in and compete, and we expect backups, uh, uh, you know, not to uh, to be able to step in and, and play. And um, and one thing Brett's done is he's brought all this competition here to uh, for that reason. Uh, to uh, so if something goes wrong, then you can fill it in and with a good football player. So that's where we're at. Um, and, and we'll keep working on it. As far as the suspensions go, when they let us know, I, I listen. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, it, it's, it's not as easy a process. They, they might let you know that something is gonna potentially happen and then they let us know when it does happen, so. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.